You're an all-star, get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star, get the show on, get paid. Welcome to another episode of the NRL Supercoach All-Stars Podcast. This is Barnsley back again for another week and joined once again, back-to-back weeks, first time all season, with Billy again. Billy, commiserations, neither of us saying Teddy for this week. This round is probably going to be known as the the post-Teddy round and probably a funeral for, what, 77% of coaches? Yeah, true, mate. Um, more frustrating when the advice we both gave last week was buy and captain him. We didn't do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I just, and we're talking about this as well. I think that the team list from last week really, I was going to, obviously I said for a week straight that I was going to sacrifice one of Best and Grant and I decided that it was Grant. But as we both saw, Grant being named for potentially 80 minutes with how he was scoring and how Best and Grant backed up their first week performances with that second week performance. It just, it, it, all the stars aligned just to make it way too hard to make that call. Well, I think other, other times we both and other coaches would have made that call a lot easier had, you know, Grant had Walters on the bench or had Grant put up, you know, a 55 points or 48 like he did on the weekend last week for his second game. I think that we all would have thought, well, it's a lot easier now and we would have, would have probably ended up with Teddy. Yeah, true, mate. I, I spent a couple of hours doing the maths and kind of figured, you know what, i got Holmes there, he's playing versus the Warriors, put all the sums together and I kind of went, Teddy really has to go 131, 35 plus for it to really kind of hurt with the C on. So I'll, I'll, I'll take that risk. <laughs> Next minute. <laughs> as if as if um, Holmes wasn't bad enough. Yeah, the big fella took off, didn't he? Oh, it's, it's, it was unbelievable. Like, obviously... Most people know I'm a Roosters fan. It was extremely hard to watch. Like it was, I was so torn because it was obviously a game where uh, I wanted us to win, and I like to win well. And I thought that we should beat the Bulldogs by plenty, but it was just brutal to watch. And like when Teddy, Teddy had 89 and half, and when he had 89 at the half, like I just sort of thought, geez, I hope that he only puts up like a 25 point half or something, which I, I thought was probably going to be the case because it happens a lot of the time where guys just blitz it in one half and then sort of, you know, take their foot off. And the Roosters didn't. I don't think there was a try scored in that second half for the first 15 or so minutes. So it looked like it might have been on the cards, but no, of course not. Yeah, I, um, I had a little dabble at sports, but I, um, I went, um, where'd I go? With um, Morris for a double, Crichton for, Crichton for any time, Teddy for a double. But I got greedy. I threw on um, what's his name, your uh, your left winger in his first class scorer. I went kind of uh, <laughs> went went for the moon there a little bit, but yeah, I got killed because Tupo didn't score as well. I had, uh, my multis all died because of that. Oh, I had like a dollar multi, which was a crazy one, which was like Teddy to score, Crichton to get a double, um, Roosters to win by twenty four or more, the game points over forty, and. Uh, um, of course, you know, Tupo didn't score, so they just killed it. It would have been nice 500 bucks over a dollar or something. But that's the way it goes. Can't give too many props to sports. But Billy, let's get on to TLT. Um, it's a pretty big week, uh, mainly because of the Teddy stuff. It's really thrown teams into a bit of a tizzy as to what they're going to do this week. Um, but we'll talk about Teddy a bit more when we get to that game. The first matchup is the Knights versus Broncos, and that's on the Thursday night. 
Big news for uh, the Newcastle side is Lachlan Fitzgibbon's coming back from injury, replacing Guerra in the starting side. Fitzgibbon was relevant a couple of years ago, not so much now. Um, Kurt Mann's been named again, despite his ankle injury that he's still trying to get over. On the Broncos side of things, Katoni Staggs is out, and it looks like he's going to be out for four to six weeks, although that hasn't been confirmed yet. Um, and Corey Oates moves back to the wing, Farnworth to centre, and... Probably the biggest news for them is Alex Glenn and Pangai Jr. are back. So we haven't seen Pangai for this uh, post-pandemic season so far since we returned in round three. And he's finally back as well. That puts Joe O onto the bench and Reese Kennedy leaves the side. Let's start off with the Broncos because I think they're the most interesting here, Billy. Um, as far as the, the losers from this, uh, Tony Staggs is a massive one. It was obviously... A lot of people that, that got him in a few weeks ago, um, and he ended up getting suspended for a week, and he came back and scored a fairly mediocre 55, and now he's gone for four to six. So he's just a... Obviously, everyone's going to be selling him, but it's it's pretty unlucky. Yeah, he'll be a bit massive, massive out. Um, I, uh, I kind of like that left, that left side. It's probably good for best, you know. Um, uh, Stags is out, rookie, rookies in there. Um, probably even good for Fitzgibbon. He's he's an he's an attacking player, and like like you said, Ponga Ponga's playing a lot tighter to the ruck this year. He's um he's getting the ball a lot more. He's, he's and his best is outside too. I reckon that left edge on the on the night side when they did some damage to that right that um Broncos right edge defence, particularly when they leak points on the edge. That uh, as we talk about every week. Yeah, I think so as well. Although I would say that I don't think it's going to be much different because I don't think Stags is that good a defender. I think. You hear a lot of Broncos fans echoing that um, defensively he's still got quite a way to go. I tell you what, I've got to give a Seabold crazy, crazy pick shout out because what's he thinking with Corey Oates? I mean, it's I say to Wilford, you know, what's what is the point of moving your winger into the second row and finally giving him a crack after he's been asking for it for five years and to do it for one game? Like, is is there any point in moving him off the wing at all? It's kind of like marriage, mate. Once you've been there long enough, you get a bit of a tease and then it's back to the fucking corner. <laughs> oh, it's just, it just seems completely ridiculous to me. But anyway, Seabold's an NRL coach and I'm not. The other thing with the Broncos is obviously, like I mentioned, Penguin Jr.'s back. He only got to play round one before he got suspended. He's definitely on my watch list and I'm going to be looking at this game to see what type of minutes he plays. I've been saying most of the season now. I don't want any piece of that Broncos pack. I've got Carrigan, but I will sell him eventually. But having said that, Pangai Jr. is only 540000 as a dual front row forward, second row forward, which for him is you know, reasonably priced. He's coming off scoring 88 points in round one, uh, and he looked really, really good. Now, I don't know how fit he's going to be, but he, he's going to be an option for me to watch. I know that you liked him before, and you've sort of been burnt a little bit, but... If he ends up getting decent minutes and the rotation looks okay, um, I'm going to potentially be be looking at him in the in the coming weeks, especially if he comes in and gets less minutes to start with, which I think will happen, and sort of builds from sort of you know 50 to to 60 to 70 minutes in the next three weeks. He could be a real option down the track a little bit. Yeah, I liked him more so earlier in the year when available in the front row that was going to be playing on the edge. Hemi injuries have always been a bit of a worry. Match fitness is one. The fact that you don't know how many minutes he's going to take take is another. Um, the other factor that the Broncos are in disarray. They're pretty pretty bloody ordinary. I, I couldn't put him in to the last minute, put him in at the moment. But um, if you probably wanted an alternative to like a Clever or someone in that second front row spot, 
Um, you'd probably wait for the right lineup and then throw him in and out of your team, I reckon. Yeah, it'd be interesting with him um, playing Clemmer this week and, and how, how he performs. Um, as far as the rest of the Broncos side, the other guy that was a big trade-out last week was Asako. Um, so Asako's lost a lot of his value now. It's a little bit of an easier one against the Knights, although the Knights deserve a lot of credit. You know, they're obviously playing pretty good football, but they're not the Roosters of last week. Um, I mean, if you've held Asako this long, you've obviously decided that you're going to wait for the Broncos' upcoming upcoming run, and you're just going to keep him for this game, I guess. Uh, I, it, probably a desperation play more than more than anything, um, hoping he's going to do something. They're, correct me if I'm wrong, but they're away from Brisbane, aren't they? From home. Yep. I think they're away. Yeah, yeah. So, so you've got to take the home ground um, advantage uh, away from him, and he really probably needs that. <laughs> the way he's been going, um, he doesn't really take that many hit-ups. They're not really getting that many chances to shoot at goal, so um, to take some of his kicks away. As a previous owner, I saw him last week. He does just doesn't inspire any confidence, mate. I um, I wouldn't be banking on him doing too much, mate. I'd probably sort of do whatever I could to sell him. I'm going to disagree with you on this one. Because I, a week ago I was 100%, and last week on the podcast I said just get rid of him now. Like, but he's he's dropped another 50k. Um, so I mean, he's only 370 grand now. I think that if you're going to sell him, two weeks ago was the time just to bite the bullet and get rid of him. Last week was kind of the last opportunity, and now it's sort of he's just too far gone on his value. You're just not going to get enough of a return. So I think that like, and you might think differently, Billy, on this than me, but. I always kind of think of it like there's always a line in the sand on value, and at one at some point you're going to cross that line where a guy's going to be worth so little that his points and upside of the future is going to be worth more than just throwing him for away for nothing, you know. And 370 grand for Asako, when he's only got a 70 BE as well, so he's going to be back on the upswing within the fortnight and has a better draw coming up. A week ago I would have been 100% on board, get rid of him. You've got to sell him, and I was. But if you've decided to keep him past that point, I think now it's a, there's more upside in just holding him and getting rid of other guys that are going to be better value to sell. Yeah, the only thing there is uh, it depends on how long you've actually got to hold him before he uses value again. Um, like if you've got to hold him two or three weeks before you're going to, you're going to play, uh, it's a lot of coin to keep on the bench. Um, think, think of it like you know a GFC or a COVID type sort of crisis. You know, if your um, if your investment takes a you know fifteen twenty percent hit, you don't want to sell it because you don't want to lose your fifteen twenty percent, do you? But if it's going to go right down to twenty five thirty five percent, sometimes you just got to cut your losses and just take what you take it take what you can and run and reinvest elsewhere because otherwise you're just going to be sitting on dog shit for a while. Yeah, I mean, it's a couple of weeks time the draw really opens up. I, I just, I think that you've decided a couple, you've decided in the last two weeks if you held him, you've already made your bed and you just got to sort of lie in it for now. Uh, Anthony Milford's another guy similar to that. And I sort of think the same thing. If you didn't jump off him before, and geez, you're a brave man if in the last month of football you haven't jumped off Anthony Milford, then he's dropped another 40k. He is only 378,000 now. He did look better last week. Uh, I, I I thought that he did a lot better. He ended up with a round score of 69 points for round five. So, you know, that was actually a, a pretty good score considering everything. His highest score so far this season is 71. He's only in 4% of teams now, um, and he's got a BE of 54. So he's he's basically likely going to stop bleeding cash or he's not going to go down too much. Uh, so I would be playing him this week if I had him against, against the Knights. I think that he sort of got a bit of confidence out of last week myself. Next week, they've got the Gold Coast Titans. So, I mean, 
I'm I'm going to look at buying him next week at around the 370k mark, just as a couple of week run where he's got the Titans and then the Warriors in back to back weeks after this Newcastle week. I'd certainly be holding him, and the Titans next week is one of the other reasons why I'd hold a Sarko too if you still got him. These guys at 370k, Billy, I just don't think you're going to get much value in return um, when both of them are playing the Titans next week. But would you even play each of them against Newcastle, or you rank Newcastle too highly for this week? Uh, I wouldn't play either in Newcastle Newcastle, but if you owned Milford, I'd probably at least hold him on for next week. You can't uh, hold him uh, sort of this long and then sort of uh, toss him the week before the Titans. That's probably the one game you do want to own him, own him as a pod. Yep, for sure. Um, and Payne Haas gets our obligatory shout-out of just being a beast every week. Um, he's uh, got another game on a Thursday night, though, mate, because the Broncos keep getting these early games. So it does make it a bit hard um, to captain him when you can't use your VC. I know you've been a fan of it. Are you just going to put a C on him this week, or are you a bit too scared with the big Tedesco scores and stuff to to go for the stock standard 80 from Payne Haas? No, I have, I have to play catch-up, man. I can't do stock standard anymore. I was happy taking sort of 90, 95 off in the last sort of couple of weeks straight up, but um, yeah, seeing Teddy go sort of that sort of huge, really need to make some pod plays, so not for me, but I can see definitely see the strategy with others. Yep, and probably the only other one that's on the watch list at the moment is uh, Xavier Coates, um, 203,000. He's about to play his second game. So after this game, he's going to be looking at his first rise. He ended up with 49 points on the weekend. Very much a mixed bag, though. Like, I saw a lot of teams saying that he did really well um, just because he made a couple of flashy plays and um, ended up, you know, scoring a nice try and was really good in the air and stuff. But one of the things that everyone kept admitting from that was he ended up with, what was it, three penalties conceded and four errors. And he made some pretty bad decisions at times as well. So he did play pretty good, but he wasn't phenomenal. Um, having said that, it looks like with Stags out, he's going to get a more definitive role for the next at least month of football, if not six weeks. Interesting segue with, with Coates. A, a few people are jumping on board um, one of the cheapies this week, Billy, particularly when people want to get someone like Tedesco in. And there, there's obviously guys like Coates and also Fido at uh, the Cowboys. I, uh, out of Coates, Fido and Talau, and it looks like Talau's out anyway, so we don't have to make that decision, but I actually would just be getting in Fido. I wouldn't be getting in Coates. Um, I, I reckon he's the better player of the two, but do you think Coates is in front or Coates should definitely be someone that you're bringing in? Oh, no, no way in hell. Like, Fidel, straight in front, but um, that, that was even with him on the wing. Now that he's at fullback, it's a no-brainer. Like, the kick returns at his speed and his size. Um, yeah, I was contemplating getting him in this week and just playing, but kind of, kind of thought, uh, I might go the Latrell route or, or, so, or someone that's actually going to rise in value and just try to make that sort of 30, 40K with the points as well. Someone may be proven and going next week, but I certainly wouldn't be walking at playing in this week. Yep. Um, with the night side of things, Kalen Ponga was... A little bit underwhelming. He did go up 38,000 though, and he's now 750k if you want to own Kalen Ponga. Sounds expensive, but he's 200 grand less than Tedesco. That's the crazy world that we're living in at the moment, Billy. 27% of teams already own Ponga, um, which really, based on how good he is, it's not as huge as it could be. On the weekend, he scored 67 points. I actually captained him, um, and I was, I was happy enough with the 67, but when I was chasing and then I saw Teddy, 
obviously I was pretty disappointed, but watching the game, he he butchered so many opportunities. I don't know if you saw when he had a four and one and he just didn't pass the ball and went back inside. But he's uh, did you did you watch this game? Did you see did you see him butcher these opportunities against the storm? Because I was tearing my hair hair out as a captain. Yeah, I remember a few of the boys saying um the a couple of weeks ago, he's just like um who was it? Uh, yeah, he, uh, him and Gutherson. Some of the lads have, have this thing. They just keep saying, um, yeah, Gutherson and Ponga, they just don't go, like going right. And I remember watching Ponga, uh, Gutherson thinking, yeah, I can see that happening. But when you've got a four-man overlap on your right and you're still off to cut back inside, you've definitely got an issue passing right. <laughs> oh, so like, that, that, that play could have been like a 90-plus score as a captain and I would have been just very happy with the weekend until I went to Sunday night, obviously, with Teddy. But um, it's just, he's got a break even at 45 now. So it's it's a popular trade looking at, at uh, Tedesco, but it's something that a lot of coaches are now looking at because they can't afford Tedesco, they're looking at Ponga. If you can, obviously, you can't get them both. You know, what do you think about the strategy of, of getting Ponga in for this week, considering he's playing a Broncos side that can give up a lot of points? And just leaving Teddy. Um, as long as you're willing to throw the VC on him, because you, you're banking on him going huge. That's the only reason uh, you're getting him in, because he has a tough sort of draw coming up. Um, I'm, I'm leaning towards uh, Teddy this week, and I've picked him up only because the, I wanted to get him in next week for the Dragons game. But given that his break-even is so low, and that Teddy scored his last three scores versus the Eels were... 180, 133, and 119 in, under the old rules. Even if he goes pretty ordinary, ordinary this week under the new rules, he's probably banking on a, a 90 plus easy. So he's going to increase in cash. Probably score the same, if not more, than Ponger anyway. So yeah, I'm leaning towards Teddy, mate. Just do it. Yep. Um, and I mean, Teddy is at 10.5% trade in at the moment. Early days in the week, Caitlin Ponger's at 3.1%. So they're both real options this week. I think that if you can't afford it, like if there's no way for you to afford Tedesco, then, then Pong is the, the next reasonable choice. Uh, mm. I mean, my fullback combination ideally is going to be Ponga and Teddy. I'm going to be getting Teddy in this week. I've already got Ponga, and that's going to be my fullback set. Um, how are you looking at it? Do you ultimately want to have Teddy and Ponga as your two fullbacks at the moment? Uh, no, I want to. I want Pappy in my team at the moment because he has a soft draw coming up. So, gonna gonna hold him and hopefully he sort of explodes because um, I kind of need a pod. And I don't want to hold someone that long and throw it out the window. Eventually, the way they're going, it'll probably be um, Teddy and a combination of um, Turbo and and Ponga rotating in and out to keep trading them for uh, a couple weeks here and there, depending on their matchups. Mm-hmm. Um, but Teddy. Teddy, the way his work work rate's going, will be pretty much you know every week. I think Pong, I think Ponga is kind of like your probably a shitty analogy, but kind of like, you know your, your pen poles three out nine. Like he's your poor man's Grange as compared to Teddy. <laughs> you you just got to have the premium. You just got you just got to have the premium, mate. <laughs> but if you can't afford it, it's next best thing. Yeah, I agree. I mean, one of the good things that I like about Ponga and something that I think he's going to rack up points with this week is he had 10 tackle breaks uh, last round in round five. And even when he's not, even when he's not scoring um, his clutch attack with his assists and his own line breaks and tries, and he had no line breaks, assists or try assists on the weekend. When he's not doing that, he's still racking up the tackle breaks and the goals. 
So that's that just makes him have such an incredible floor. Against the Broncos, uh, I can see him kicking a fair few goals, uh, and I can also see him getting a hell of a lot of tackle breaks. You mentioned, uh, again, on our weekly reference of the Broncos' edges, um, they're also you know susceptible behind that middle of the ruck, I think, too. So between the middle of the ruck and, and their edges of their forwards, I can just see Pongo just racking up those tackle breaks, even if he's not getting through. So I'm huge on him this week, um, and he's my... He's my vice captain. Uh, I think out of these two teams, we've probably both only got one vice captain that we would do. Um, some people have spoken about just putting the C on Ponga straight up as a bit of a pod play. How do you feel about that? Because I'm pretty confident that he's going to score well. Oh, you have to be reasonably, reasonably confident he's going to do something. Um, now, now that Best is in the team, too. Remember that first game a couple of weeks ago where Best was in the team? He just kept going towards him. Like Best is a monster for a, a, um, a centre, and Ponga loves that left-hand side. You, you know the stats with um, Broncos' edges. So, if it, um, the la- I think the uh, – was it Turbo? Was it Broncos that Turbo went massive against? I thought it was. Yeah. Yeah, so look, if those stats and the stars are aligning versus the rest of the Broncos and the fact that it's at home, look, uh, the only the only other game um, better than that would probably be t- uh, Teddy versus the Dogs or Teddy versus the Titans. But I tell you what, um, yeah, Ponga, Ponga versus the uh, Broncos edge at home, you can't really sort of go past that as a decent VC option. Yeah, you absolutely have to VC at a minimum. And I think the C option isn't a bad one, to be perfectly honest. Um, I mean, people... I think the Pogba's kind of been out of the limelight a little bit because he missed a game and uh, Turbo had a massive game and Teddy had a massive game. But people forget that score on the weekend of 67 points was his lowest of the year out of his four games. Um, and it was against the Melbourne Storm. So 67 against the Storm was pretty impressive. And before that, he had his 159 against Canberra, which everybody seems to have forgotten about now a couple of weeks later. And then he had his 82 against the Tigers and his 81 against the Warriors for the first two rounds. So he's actually scored exceptionally well. Every single one of his weeks were fine captaincy. Last weekend was a little bit borderline as just being an okay captaincy. But the other three weeks were good captaincy choices. And one of them was an absolute blockbuster at 159 points. So I think it is a pod move. I don't think very many people would do it. Um, and I, I'd be lying if I said I didn't consider just putting the C on Ponga um, straight out this week and just getting it over with on the Thursday night. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's a different beast this year, mate, um, the last couple of games especially. The, these rule changes just really, really suit some of these callbacks. Um, I, I think if, we, if you go back to our preseason podcast, I'm, I'll, I'll own up to this. I, I said Ponga is, has never been and never will be a VC option because he doesn't score big enough. Like he, he, he just seems to be consistent 80, 80, 80 every week. But as soon as his new rules came in, mate, he just went ballistic. Like he's he's had he, he had he had that one fifty nine, like you said. So yeah, he just yeah, just if you're him, just be seeing, seeing whatever. Uh, Clemmer was a bit disappointing last weekend, um, and he's going to be someone that's ripe for the picking after the next couple of weeks because of that, because he's got a big be. But as far as the outcome in this one, um, I'm expecting the Broncos to play a little bit better than what they have been. But I think the Newcastle are going to come out on top, and I think they'll put. Oh, 32 on the Broncos. I'm going to go for a 32-20 type of scoreline. Pretty super coach friendly game, I reckon. Yeah, um, round about same sort of thing. Extra 12 to 14 points for the for the uh, Ponga mate. Rabbits Warriors is our second game, uh, and this one no changes for the Rabbits. James Roberts is on the extended bench, so uh, I'd be surprised if after you know being a non-late inclusion last week, he isn't this week. He's probably going to come in, you'd think. 
Uh, on the Warriors side of things, though, there's also no changes, but Fusa Tua has been included on the extended bench, but most of that backline's largely irrelevant for Supercoach purposes. Let's start off with the Rabbits, mate. Um, the big talking point is going to be Latrell Mitchell. Uh, he obviously had a great day out against the Titans last week. 555k now because he's just gone up um, about 35 grand to purchase. He put up 112 points, which was awesome. Um, and he's still only 555k, which is reasonably cheap as a dual center wing fullback. I know a few smart teams got him in last week for that Titans game. Uh, I was a little bit up and down on it because I thought there might have been better options like Teddy, um, but obviously I didn't get either of them. He's only in 12% of teams at the moment. He looks like a pretty decent buy this week um, with a couple little caveats, and you've probably noticed this on his stats, but 112 points is fantastic. He had some good assists, he had a good try and line break, he had a heap of tackle breaks, around about a dozen. But he also only had 14 in raw base. So it's just kind of like the really nice Latrell comeback game, but he still leaves a little reminder of what downside he has if he doesn't get all that clutch attack. Yeah, look, he's, his work rate isn't, isn't the same as what, as what it used to be, but he, it's, he's, he's starting to get familiar with the role and he's got the... Um, He's got that soft draw coming up. So, yeah, although he hasn't got the goal kicking anymore, he, he is floating right. He is floating left. He's got those tackle busts. So I think that sort of tackle bust at fullback probably offset a lot of that goal kicking a fair bit um, because he's in the centre of the field, that field now. He's not just on the left-hand side. So um, even if the laziness is, is still there, it's it's got to be twice as much as what it was before. Like he's got the kick returns. It's, it's just that draw and his availability at centre three quarter. Uh, and the, the fact that he's sort of uh, averaging sort of 54 or 55, whatever it was, when he hasn't really been doing much, uh, I think that's kind of worth the pod play if you haven't. Um, even if you've got like, you know, Yeo and Best and, and Mansour or whoever it is at, at centre three quarter, I think he's still a pretty sort of solid option, uh, particularly with that draw, mate. Yeah, it's a really good point with his tackle breaks probably making up for his goal kicking at the moment. Um, and he's starting to get those a little bit better. And to give Latrell a bit of credit too, he's been building. Like, from round one, he obviously looked like dirt the first two weeks, 17 and 23 points. A little bit better round three when we resumed post-pandemic with 51, and then he threw up 71 against the Storm and 112 against the Gold Coast. So he's been getting a lot better, and his three-round average is actually really good now um, with 55 on the season, but his three-round of 78. So uh, I, I agree with you. I think that he's worth the pun at 12% ownership as well. There's yeah. going to be some decent upside, isn't there? Yeah. Think, think of it this way too. Um, he's, he's got he's got more of a run up, mate. Like when he's playing left left centre, by the time he gets the ball, he's usually on the defensive line or or, or just getting through a break. Now we're, now on fifth tackle option, like he, he's at fullback, he's he's winding up. He, he's got a good sort of ten twelve meters before he's hitting that defensive line. So a bloke of his side when he's hitting that at speed, he's naturally going to get. Obviously, number one, more, more chances at tackle breaks and more, and, and more hit-ups. And when he's, he's got that momentum, he's probably going to carry uh, carry through one or, one or two defenders. So um, for me, I don't think it's really surprising that he's going to have sort of, you know, 12 to 14 points in the TVs per game. Yeah, and he's got a break-even of 18. So, I mean, now is really the time to buy him. The other thing that I like about him too, the, the Rabbits put up 32 points against the, the Titans, 132-12. He was involved in a lot of it, which was really good to see, even though Cody Walker was back. He's playing the Warriors, and even though they put up 37 points themselves, they let in 26 points against a really disappointing North Queensland side. Uh, so it does shape up this week against the Warriors as a really good matchup for him again. 
So I I think that if you wanted Latrell, you'd get him this week. I guess the spanner in the works is everyone's scrambling for the fullback they don't have, whether it's Ponga or whether it's Teddy. They've really thrown a spanner in the works to get someone like Mitchell in, and, and maybe that makes it a bit difficult. Yeah, true. But uh, he's also got the dogs, I think, um, next week or the week after, I think. Yeah, they've, they've so got that, a really that nice was draw. The selling point for me. Yeah, they've got Penrith next week after this week, um, but then they then they hit the dogs after that. So they they do have a good draw. Two of the next three are really good matchups for them. So yeah, I, I've got no issue with anyone wanting to trade him. In fact, I think it's a good trade in. I think it's more about whether you actually have guys like Teddy or, or Ponga. If you've already got Teddy and Ponga as a combo, you've just absolutely nailed it. And someone like Latrell, I reckon, should be one of the guys you definitely look at for this week's trades. Another South superstars, Cam Murray. Now, he's actually 627k after dropping a little bit on the weekend. A couple of things are a bit concerning. Uh, you know, I thought that he was a decent buy last week going against the Gold Coast side. I thought that he might be able to get some attack. He scored 55, which is disappointing under the circumstances, but probably the thing that was most disappointing with him, his minutes were poor. Um, he only played 59 minutes the week before last. And this week, he only managed to pull up on 53 minutes. So the last two weeks, he's gone 53 and 59 minutes. And 53 is really not going to be enough. Like, he was effective in that time. He got his couple of offloads, 14 runs, 32 tackles. Didn't hit any clutch attack. But 53 minutes, Billy, it's... If you owned him, you'd probably be a bit concerned. But obviously, you're going to play him. But I don't know about you, but this week, even though he's playing the Warriors for me, he's gone down my list of guys that I actually want to purchase for my forward pack at the moment. Yeah, not really keen on those for minutes. Doesn't matter how good the bloke is, because you really got to count on the clutch then, and it's not ideal unless they're sort of pain hearts. But even pain at 53 minutes, he wouldn't really, really be sort of okay getting in. Yeah, I've got to, I've got to admit that um, last week going into the Titans side, uh, Titans game, um, I said to a couple of people, they had a few options to choose from, and I sort of said Cam Murray. So I'm going to apologise to those guys. I don't mean to backtrack, but I didn't expect his minutes to be, you know, seven minutes shorter than what they were the week before. So, uh, especially one of my mates, Pecco, if he actually listens to the podcast. I'm sorry, I gave him bad advice on this one. I think for last week, he needed a bit more than 55. But other than that, in that south side, there's a few watches like Cody Walker to see how they sort of go. But I will say, with Cody Walker, it's going to be hard to get him in this week, but it, it is a good segue into the 5'8 spot. A few people have asked, you know, who the 5'8s are going to be that you end up trying to target. And Munster's obviously one that people talk about. But there doesn't seem to be that other guy with, with SJ failing a little bit, that, that other slam dunk option. Cody Walker is only 3% owned. He's 576k, got a 79 BE. But I will point out, Billy, that when he scored his four tries last year, it was against the Warriors, and he threw up a ridiculous amount of points. He does have form against the Warriors. Do you think that he might emerge as sort of a bit of a pod play where he's going to get his season started? With his draw at the moment, that would be the only sort of luxury. Um, but at the same at the same time, I don't think I don't see too many people getting him this week because there's other sort of there's attention in other areas, um, and I think Munster Munster like. Yeah, like you mentioned, Munster, his draw opens up in a week or two as well. So uh, I think two weeks from now, possibly. So he, he has a he has a soft draw opening up. I think I think it's Titans 
that he opens up within a couple of weeks. So if you're going to target someone, it's either Walker right now or probably Munster in a couple of weeks. But given Munster's tackle-busting ability and uh, the team he's in, I'd be inclined to sort of, um, yeah, sort of wait it out a couple of weeks and then go with him. Yep. I've got to give the Warriors a little bit of love here, mate. Cody Nikarima was absolutely dynamic last week. He went up very quietly. He went up $63,000 just in a week. So... It is one of those guys where he's not a great, he's not a great option normally, but it does highlight that if you can get on the right games for a couple of runs, uh, you can sell sort of two or three weeks later, especially a season like this. Someone like Cody Nicarima would have been the perfect opportunity. He's gone up 63k in the last week. He scored 110 points on the weekend and he's now going to be 37 and has a reasonable matchup against South considering the points that they've given up to some teams this year already. So, yeah, he deserves a shout-out. Obviously not a buy, but I guess it does sort of highlight to look at some of those guys that nobody's buying. If they do have those lower BEs, sometimes it's worthwhile to take the punt for some quick cash. Yeah, it's got to be careful when you when you do it, though, and how quickly you can get rid of them because a player like that you can get stuck with or um, they they might end up being sort of 350, 450K when you get them, but then all of a sudden you, you can't play them or they're too much of a risk to play them, and then you've got that coin sitting on your bench for a couple of weeks. Yeah, he was only a shade over 400K, um, but so he was probably too expensive to be having a punt out, but if he was closer to 300K, he might have been on some team's radars. He scored 110, like I said. Two weeks ago, he scored 98, so he either seems to go 20s or tons. That seems to be his, his pattern this year. Um, there isn't really too much other talk in the worries side of things, aside from the fact that Tanoa Brown and, and Katara are still going strong. Katara scored 80 points on the weekend. Uh, aside from his blip the week before where he scored 40-odd, he's actually looked like a really solid play. I didn't play him this week because I got burnt last week because of his 40 score. Uh, against his South pack, they are pretty weak. Their edges aren't, aren't fantastic. Would you play Katara this week against South? Wasn't going to, but um, contemplating it. Uh, reason is I've heard a couple of rumors. Or heard a couple of rumors about Grant sort of having to pass the fitness tests, and don't want to get stuck with you know, leaving Katara on the bench and then having find out he's out later and then having to play a forty minute forward. Um, also concerned about um, Luciano. Um, he was injured end of last game, so just want to see if there's any late mail on, on, on what his injury's like and make sure he's 100% confirmed in. Although, given that his names, you would think so, wouldn't you? Um, yeah, so uh, I'm just concerned about whether he's going to go over the line or not because I wouldn't want another 40, that's all. Yeah, I mean, he's only got the one bad score, but obviously we're only got a small sample size, so we're not really sure who he is yet. Uh, against South, I'm, I'm going to definitely consider playing him. I'm not sure yet. But I need to wait and see. Like you said, there's a few injuries and stuff. He's at 27 BE. So he's going to make money for this week. Um, Tanoa Brown's in the 20s as well for his break even. But both of those guys might be coming to a use by date pretty soon. I'm going to call Tanoa Brown probably next week, if not the week after. As soon as he peaks, he's gone for me. But Katoa, um, I'm expect I'm contemplating holding him a little bit longer because he's one of those guys that seems to score quite well. He might actually start the cash going back up again with that 80 in his uh, rolling average. Yeah, it's a tough one to put yourself in the corner on. Where do you think this one's going to go, mate? I'm I'm expecting a, a pretty good Rabbitohs win, despite what the Warriors did last week, but it should be pretty high scoring. You'd think maybe a 36 to 18 type of scoreline for the Rabbits. 
yeah, I was all set a couple of weeks ago to bring in Cook this week because I think he's going to destroy them. But um, like usual, spammers in the works and other things to pick up. If you're going to get rid of your hooker this week and not sort of play Coruscant and you have the luxury of a trade, it, uh, um, McInnes versus the Titans or Cook versus the Warriors, I would say are two very, very astute sort of uh, options at nine uh, this week. I almost subconsciously, purposely didn't mention Cook because I was so upset I couldn't get him hit. <laughs> Made me have to talk about him. He's he's got a break even of eighty five, so it's it's not like it's desperate for this week. But you're right, the matchup against the Warriors is pretty juicy. Five hundred eighty five k. He's only actually going to cost eighty grand to go happy to Cook, and he's only a thirteen percent of teams. So if you had the luxury of having your fullback sorted, and you didn't have any other guns that you had to sort of make sure you got in. I'd be really happy to get Cook this week. In fact, I'd Cook and Latrell this week would probably be my two trades and ones that I thought about a week ago before Teddy just ruined everything. Yeah, even if... I was going to say, even if you don't own Teddy, but I think you probably really need to. Um, yeah, look, Turbo's taken off, Ponga's taken off, Teddy's taken off. Um, I'm not sure Pappy will be able to do it this week, but um, if you really, really need to sort of catch up, then Cook's, Cook and probably... Um, yeah, probably less, less so Mitchell, but yeah, Cook and Mitchell are probably two of the bigger option, bigger, bigger VC options that could potentially go large. Same with uh, Munster, although I wouldn't buy him this week. I'd be sort of, uh, as an owner, VC him, but away from home versus Panthers, I can't really see him going too massive there. Yeah, great. It's a little bit overstated how poorly Cook started this season because his first two rounds were bad, but since the Pandemic has eased and we started in round three again. He's got 71, 60, and then 66 points on the weekend against the Gold Coast Titans. That means post-pandemic, he's actually averaged a, a pretty decent 66 points. Um, so I, I don't think he's been going poorly at all, and that's with not getting bulk attack either. So if he's doing mid-60s without the bulk attack, he's primed for a big one against the Warriors if he didn't get his ton last week against the Titans. Look out for this week. It's probably going to come up against the Warriors. Uh, Panthers Storm, though, you sort of segued into with Munster. That's the next game. Edwards has been named at fullback, so Aikens is gone, but I don't think many people would have had him. Uh, the big news is, obviously, Liam Martin's going to replace Capewell, and he lasted like four minutes on the weekend, which was absolutely brutal. For the Storm, there's really no changes. Craig Bellamy's doing his... He's Wayne Bennett move, where he's just naming a side that he changes every week. So Brandon Smith on the bench for Welsh to start, but they swapped that pre-game the last three in a row, so I don't know why they bothered doing it. But let's just all cry together about Capewell, Billy. We both kind of agreed, although I was more into it last week, that Capewell was a good trade-in. He was a minus 20 BE, uh, played 80 minutes, dual centre wing second row, had a base average of 58 points. And, he, and he's hurt himself and now out for 10 weeks in the first few minutes and scored, I think, four or something ridiculous. Absolutely brutal for owners. Yeah, mate. Uh, bit, of a, bit of a shame, bit of a, bit of a pandemic there. <laughs> but, uh, I don't think too many people got, got caught on him because there was so many other options last week. But um, could have been a lot more uh, hurtful if it was this week. Supercoach is a very cruel mistress at times. And there was a couple of players getting injured last week and Kate Moore was pretty heavily traded in. So... Really unfortunate. Um, aside from that, on the Penrith side of things, uh, Nathan Cleary is obviously in a pretty tough matchup this one, and he's getting quite juicy. Um, I'm looking at him in the next couple of weeks. He's still 619k, so he's very pricey, but he only scored 39 on the weekend, um, which wasn't a fantastic return. He's got a BE of 85 because of that, and playing against the Storm, uh, he's got a very good chance at leaking some extra cash the next couple of weeks' time. 
We both were not very big on bringing in Cleary last week, Billy, and saying that rushing him in is a bit of a mistake considering his layoff and, and everything else and his draw that he currently had. He's now thrown up 39, which for you know a 630k player in last week you would have been very disappointed with, and he's now going to start leaking cash in against the Storm. I'd be worried that he's going to throw up another dud score this week, to be honest, and as a non-owner, uh, I'm, I'm very happy for him to throw up a couple more 30s so we can get him at around the 500k mark in a few weeks, potentially. Yeah, it's probably a good price point. Um, what's, he, what's his run like? Sorry, I was just trying to look at look at look at some stats. Yeah, well, obviously the Storm's a tough one this week, um, but then it, then it gets a little bit better with South, uh, but then they have to play the Tigers. So it's really that Tigers game in round eight that it might open up for him again, uh, and then he's got the Sharkies that are pretty decimated yeah. after that. Yeah, sorry, I remember, I remember the remember it being a bit different. I, I thought I, I thought it opened up into the Titans a couple of rounds after that. Well, maybe I got my my schedule re- really messed up, but yeah, look, it, it's it's certainly a certainly a decent, decent price point for him. Um, I probably need, he's one of those guys that probably just dig into the stats a little bit more and just try and figure out you know the tackle bus versus the, versus the clutch, and compare him to a couple of other guys in, in his position because when with those sorts of players, it really comes down to uh, so what's the run, what, um, what's the likelihood of the clutch um, with, with guys like. Uh, like uh, Turbo and Teddy, they're kind of easy, easier decisions. But in that sort of position, you really need to sort of weigh up, you know, what you what your competitive advantage is versus what you're going to lose with what the mainstream we're running with. Yeah, I, I mean that that Tigers game is probably where you saw it open up a little bit um, because he's got the Tigers, the Sharks, and then the Cowboys, which is pretty good three weeks. He could have two price drops by then. The thing is that he started off well, so round two he's got a hundred points that's in his rolling average. Um, and that's going to be part of this price change. But after this week, that 100 is going to drop out. So we'll probably see a really big drop the week after if he doesn't go too well against the Storm. I mean, are you picking him to have a bounce back this week against the Storm? No, not, not, not this week. That's why I sort of got rid of him um, as well. Um, having, having having a couple of rounds out, just didn't, didn't want to take that kind of chance. So I'll get him back soon. Yep. Um, Liam Martin appears to be the main the main beneficiary out of Capewell going down for super coach purposes, but in saying that, uh, I think that probably the bigger beneficiaries are going to be Yao and Kikau. Kikau hasn't played 80 minutes this year yet until the weekend when Capewell went down, and Yao uh, went from close to 60 minutes the week before last to on the weekend playing 80 minutes again. So both of those guys are probably looking at 80-minute roles because you would expect Liam Martin to, to knock at the 80 on the edge. Um, so it's probably those other two guns, Billy, that are going to benefit more than Liam Martin for super coach. Yeah, um, probably having him, um, having Gio just available 60 minutes in the middle is probably good enough for semi semi quarter. I was having an argument, or not argument, discussion with Des about two or three weeks ago before I made the um, decision just to get him in. But yeah, 80 minutes in the middle is just beautiful, isn't it? Just nice and sweet sort of meat and potatoes points, easy as you like, you know. Yeah, one thing against the Storm is that he's, it is one of those things where some of the forwards can rack up pretty bulk raw base points. He's probably going to hit a heap of tackles. He'll probably make 55 tackles this week. So he's probably pretty match-up proof in that 13 jumper against the Storm, more so than the backs of the Panthers. Yeah, so easy, easy money, easy points. Um, probably a luxury trade at the moment with all that's going on, but... Um, if you've got an absolute bum at seven three quarter, you want to bolster, then I think everyone should be targeting him at some point. But I think pretty much most, not most people, but a lot really do have him at the moment already. 
Yeah, on the on the storm side of things, Cameron Smith had a masterclass on the weekend uh, in a lot of different ways. I, I mean, you're going to bend the rules as much as you can. I thought that he bent them and got away with it hugely against Newcastle, but that's what happens. It's up to the ref to pull it up, so I can't blame him. But he ended up putting up 115 points. I believe we said that he was a sneaky captaincy option on last week's pod. He wouldn't have disappointed if you threw it on. He's now gone 70, 70, 79, 76, which we spoke about last week, and now 115. So very, very quietly, Cam Smith is 690K, and he's also the best hooker that you can have. Um, he's got a three-round average of 90, and he has a game against Penrith this week, but then, like you mentioned, the draw opens up a little bit for the Storm. That's it's going to be scary when he's playing the Warriors the week after, and then a couple of weeks later he's going to be playing the Titans, and it's a guy that's only in 13% of teams. We spoke about Damien Cook being only around 12% owned. Cameron Smith um, last week was sensational. Would you would you be looking at having him instead of Cook? Is he a viable option instead? I would probably prefer to have um, Cook this week and then maybe wait a couple of weeks and then, then turn the other kid into... Kid into um, into Smith. That's probably a luxury, actually. A luxury, actually. You're probably only going to have one. So, look, if I had to choose, I'd choose Cook. More more attacking. I'll tell you what, Smith's kind of playing out of his skin at the moment. And I think someone mentioned he was actually on, correct me if I'm wrong, but was he actually on 84 at halftime? Yeah, I think he was. I mean, it was just he had... His goal-kicking really helps him with that floor. He's the only goal-kicking hooker, so... Yeah, true. So, even if the Storm had a shocker, you know he's going to... He's, you know he's going to slot two or three, and it's not like he's going to make less than sort of 30 tackles, so you can pretty much bank on a 45 easy. I mean, this is probably a week where you've got to go the higher upside guys, but um, in this game, there isn't really any captaincy options that stick out other than Smith. He's, his lowest is 70. Is he viable coming off 115? I really wouldn't. I don't think he can go high enough if, if he... I would much rather slap the C straight on Payne Haas first game rather than take a VC part on someone than having to sort of slap the C on Ken Smith because the possibility of him chucking up a 65 or 70 is just too risky versus Haas chucking 85 just being on the field for the same amount of time and likely get a crash over very soon. Yep, fair enough. Uh, Pappenhausen is the second most traded out player this week. 8% of coaches are trading him. He's just lost 23k, which is the most that he's lost so far this year. Only scored 33 points on the weekend. He has been the disappointment of the season for me. I defended him for a few weeks. He's in 23% of teams. I don't think I can defend him anymore. His highest score is 62, and his lowest score is 35. And really, he has not been very good from the get-go. He's gone 49, 59, 54, 62, and then a season-low 35 on the weekend. Against the Newcastle side, I thought he would have got a lot better against. So, you know, a few weeks ago, I was happy to wait, but I think that it's now at the point for me where I can't wait any longer. He has to show more, and especially with the fullbacks available. Just time for me to cut bait with a break even at 77. I can't let him bleed anymore, but you're holding him, Billy. You're, you're going for it. Yeah, I was going to park him last week to Teddy, but I was six grand short. He's the reason why I'm stuck. Him and Grant are the reasons I stuck around for an extra week. But um, so out of spite, out of desperation, and the fact that his draw is actually opening up and and Holmes going down, <laughs> I'm uh, going to trade Holmes out and keep Teddy for now. And uh, I'll uh, I'll VC Pappy in the, in the next couple of weeks, maybe when he's uh, got that uh, Titans or. 
yeah, when, when that Titans game comes up. Yeah, I mean, I think watching him, I've been pretty disappointed. I don't think that their structure is getting him involved in the attack enough. He's just not getting enough ball. And that used to be okay when it happened because he used to get heaps of tackle breaks. On the weekend, he got one tackle break, and the week before, he only got he got zero tackle breaks, which is the first time ever for him in Supercoach. So he just he's not getting those tackle breaks to get him a good floor, and he's not getting the opportunity for the clutch. I just, as far as the eye test goes, I've been I'm pretty concerned after seeing it again on the weekend. He he just seems to be there all the time. Like his support player is still great. He's always there, but maybe like maybe last year was an anomaly because. Um... Oh, he, he was new. They didn't have a whole off-season to, to do video footage on him. He just consistently popped up and got the ball away. just seems like uh, uh, this year, he's, he's still always there in support play. Um, he's still popping up. He's still making those rounds, but he's just not getting through at all. Yeah, really disappointing. Um, at this point, I just got to cut bait, and I think coaches do need to as well with the other options on board. But if you like Billy and you've got two fullbacks you need to call, it makes sense probably to hold him. Um, as far as the game goes, mate, it's I, I really don't know what to make of it. The Panthers were pretty good against your Eels last week for 70 minutes, and then the Eels just went bang, bang, bang and just took the game. Um, but Panthers still look pretty solid. The Storm's obviously going really well and had a, a uh, good win against Newcastle. Yeah, Eels are going really well, but mate, yeah, but... I think you'll find that when we come up against a storm or the Chooks, you'll see a completely different level. So, um, <coughs> and, and the, fa- the fact that the Eels were able to, to sort of put it together and eventually overcome them, score three tries in the space of 10 minutes. Mate, when have we ever been able to do that in the last 20 years? Three tries in 10 minutes. Um, <laughs> not very often. I think I, I, I think we might have did it, but I think we did it versus the Tigers once when we, when we came back from you know, what, 31 nil or something or other. Um, but uh, yeah, no, they're just a different level, mate. I think you will see a much different, uh, much better performance from the Storm than what you expect from Panthers, mate. So, what are your what's your prediction for it then? Are you talking like a twenty point flogging, or you reckon it's going to be close? Uh, I reckon Storm get in by a good sort of sixteen, eighteen points. Okay, I think it might be a bit tighter, but I agree with you. I think that the Storm will come out on top. Um, I'd be playing all of my Storm guys, but. I tell you what, I'm going to play Appy because I basically have to. But he's going to be cold in the next week. Yeah, same. I, I just don't see Luai being able to do anything. So unless Cleary's going to control both sort of sides of the field and um, someone's going to get a better feed to kick out. Like kick out is the aim of danger on, on the left hand side. Mansell does a lot of work, but it's more in sort of hit ups. Uh, there's no there's no one really sort of getting the ball out to him out left. Um, Cleary's more of a sort of uh, a kicker on the fifth tackle, fifth tackle option. Like they they go right every now and then, but they just don't look dangerous out there. So I um I just don't see Cleary being able to twenty two twenty four points on the board for them. I think Storm is going to not run right, but I think they'll put on a good sort of twenty six points, and then Panthers will be Panthers will be lucky with their twelve or fourteen. Well, my big call for this one is going to be that Nathan Cleary and Mansour combined for less than 80 points between both of them. I think they're both going to struggle. Well, I hope Mansell's going to serve you one of them. <laughs> Titans versus Dragons is the next one. Um, now, for the Titans, we've got Corey Thompson into the side. who's come across from the Tigers. Uh, put Sammy on the wing. For the Dragons side, it looks like exactly the same side as last week, but Graham's swapping with Trent Merrin. 
Not a huge um, amount of super coach change there for the Dragons from what we saw last week, but we'll start off with them. They obviously looked a lot better. They beat the Sharkies pretty easily. They're a side that didn't put on you know, any points for two rounds straight uh, and then turned around playing the Sharkies and threw on 30 points among 13-plus on the sports bet. So it was a pretty good performance for the Dragons for the fans. Yeah, sure was, mate. It um, just goes to show what four selectors can do. <laughs> so single catch. Oh, yeah, they. Um, I think. I, I think. I, I think they got a. Oh, mate. What, what you? I was talking to Marty about before. He's a massive sort of dragons fan, and he was saying, look, when you when you back someone to the corner far enough, eventually sort of they come out with something a little bit sort of different. But uh, yeah, don't expect Dufty to put on sort of you know a couple of try assists per per week and Hunt to go over off the bench every week. But um, I think Hunt did look a bit. Look, look a lot better coming off the bench and playing that role, playing that role in the middle. Dufty was really quick. Norman sort of playing a, a different sort of side of field was a little bit more interesting. But we'll, yeah. Oh, and the other one was the Marin lock. That was an interesting choice, but he has been what, a number one lock in a lot of teams for a lot of years. So for, for him to sort of naturally sort of go back there as opposed to Jimmy Graham was probably a, a logical move. But yeah, they looked a lot better. It's a bit of an interesting one for the Dragons this week because they played well last week against the Sharks and they got the Titans for this round, which they should score pretty well against. But then the draw gets really hard where they got the Roosters, the Raiders and the Manly side and then they hit an easier side against the Bulldogs. So their next five is, is basically bookended by two of the teams that you want to be playing. But in the middle, you've got the guys that you don't with the Roosters, Canberra and Manly. So it's really hard to look at sort of bringing in guys short term. And I, I chatted with a few a few guys about this, about, you know, the Dragons actually have now a couple of short-term options because they scored some points last week. You mentioned Matthew Dufty. He just went up 75000 So, you know, he, he was a quintessential fast money. If you knew that he was going to start and you brought him in before last round, you know, you're going to make 125 k easy out of him in two weeks and you can move him on quickly. Um, he put up... 120 points, that's going to be in his rolling average. But with people like Dufty and to a lesser extent Ben Hunt because he's on the bench but he played a lot better, you can't even go for the quick matchup play on them with the Titans because it's not like you can trade them out a week later when they play the Roosters and then Canberra. So it's a bit of a it's a bit of a crappy spot to be in to try and get some value play from the Dragons this week. Yeah, I've been numbing out. I was thumbing in our around to the McKinnis and pretty keen on getting him this week, but then... You know, looked at the other options available and figured, oh, shit, high sort of 60s kind of break-even, could go well this week, but if you get him in, then he's got chooks and it's kind of, uh, yeah, not really, don't, you don't really want to be banking on someone, someone like that breaking through that through that wall and the way the Dragons have been going. Like, he, he might be standing behind the goalpost for sort of 20 minutes, so maybe he's, he's one of those um, valuable players that you probably sort of have to skip Given, given what he's up against in the next couple of weeks? Yeah, look, it's really hard because, um, you know, I, I wasn't big on him to start the year and neither were you, but he's, he's thrown up a ton on the weekend and he's actually got three scores in a row now that are extremely good. I didn't expect myself. So he came in round three with an 89, then an 82, and now he's got 111 against the Sharks last week. Obviously, that included a line break and try. But him moving to lock seems to be helping his running game a little bit. Um, and he's still in the middle making a heap of tackles. So it's tough because he's only 7% yeah. owned, but he's like 675k. So it's a huge investment. 
Yeah, yeah, we talked about him sort of two or three weeks ago as as a watch, not someone you could buy straight away, but hundred percent someone you could um, possibly invest in pretty soon because they're they're available in that se- second row position. I think you find uh, even even the guy, not the guy running first, but the person who had the highest score this week. Like there's there's a, there's a, few, there's a select few like in the top sort of one um, percent that have that have him. So he's, he's definitely one of those pods that uh, some some of the uh, higher scoring or higher uh, ranked players actually have. Yeah, uh, he's he's not in a lot of teams at seven percent, but there's a lot of good teams that actually have him, and there's quite a few coaches now that are, that have really targeted him. He's got a 73 raw base average for the year. So in his three games, he's gone 70 plus raw base in all of them. Like that's that's incredible. Um, whether that's able to be kept up or not, though, um, that's a big question mark. You know, like he had his career year last year with a 68 average, and I think out of that, you know, he had sort of 63 in raw base. So he's he's at least 10 raw base more than what he was last year, um, if not more than that. So. I don't know. Do you think it's even sustainable? Yeah, I think so. The way he's been going, mate. That 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 um that role that like we said that role he's got to. I, I just think he's going to keep continuing. That's why I was why I was picking on him. Well, close to seven hundred k. I couldn't possibly do it with with the other higher taking upside guys. But he could end up being a master stroke for anyone that does. If he goes over against the Titans this week, um, he's he's going to be a huge pod play for for this past fortnight. The only thing to add is, and, and this is pre-updates too, he was on 23 at halftime. Oh, really? I didn't even know that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I was having a look because I was pretty keen on him and I, I saw that and thought, ugh, that sort of kind of increases a bit. You really want someone like that to be on sort of 30, 35 if you're going to invest that sort of money. But maybe maybe he just opens up in the second half because that's when the forwards get tired. He runs a bit more. But yeah, the 23 halftime was pretty concerning. Yeah, I didn't realise that. That's a really good point. And that's a, I think that that, with his price, solidifies the wait-and-see approach, especially with the harder draw coming up. So that's a good one, mate. Thanks for pulling out the stat. That's what you're here for. Welcome. <laughs> last guy to mention briefly for the Dragons, Fui Mano broke a lot of guys' hearts last week. We said that if you already had all the other cheapies, maybe he's sort of the third cheapie that you might get in if you had to do a downgrade to get another gun. Boy, was he awful. 26 points. Got hooked and only played 57 minutes. Um, you know, the other time that he started in the 12 jumper, he played 76 minutes. He's got the job for four to six weeks, but, you know, we also said last week he can put up some filth, and on the weekend was absolute filth. Starting edge back row at 26 points in 57 minutes, Billy. Yeah, I didn't realise it was that low. <laughs> <laughs> That's not, not, no go. Yeah, I, I don't think, uh, I mean, tough one because, like, if you own him, you're obviously going to ride it because he's still got a reasonably low break even and, and a roll for the next month or so. But would you start him in your centre wing against the Titans? I mean, he, he put up a poor score, but against that Titans edge defence, yeah, he kind of shapes up as a decent play potentially. Well, maybe, but if it, it's more of a sort of a gambling sort of uh, proposition. I, I couldn't really get anyone for the Dragons um, this week apart, apart from Bucky, particularly like the centre three quarter. Just, like the, the Titans might be pretty ordinary, mate, but they're still a first grade team. They're not going to just let every team roll over and not, every team roll over on them for 40, 45 points a week. They're, they're still going to chuck something on the board. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a, it is a bit of a gamble play. Um, uh, well, let's move on to the Gold Coast side because I feel like we don't give them enough love. And this is a Dragons matchup that they could go all right at. Obviously, Jai Arrow is a guy that we do give love to, but he's someone that's almost 
if if you didn't have more pressing issues, Billy, he's almost shaping as a trade-out for me. I think there's a lot of other second-row forwards that are looking better than him. He has put up between 54 and 57 points three out of his five games now, with the other two being 65 and 82. 54 points on the weekend against Souths. He did that in 65 minutes. Um, it's oh, I think it's a little bit concerning, considering the other guys that you could have. He's got a high BE at the moment now, so he's going to start leaking cash, and he's already dropped a bit already. Uh, obviously, he's not a priority trade-out. I'm not saying you've got to get rid of Arrow, but if you had no other, I guess, big work to do to get rid of guys on your side that had a you know really high BE and were going to leak, or maybe you need a lot of extra cash to get in a Teddy or something and you've got to sacrifice a gun, he does look like someone to me that you could probably bite the bullet on and get rid of. Yeah, two reasons. Number one, the or three reasons. Number one, they, they get flogged a lot, so less time on the field. Uh, number two, coach, I don't know whether the coach hates him or what, but he just doesn't seem to be giving the, him the minutes. Not even what he previously had. There was a couple. There was a game a couple of weeks ago when I had the captain on him, and he was on 45 at half time, and then just didn't go on until, what, 10 minutes ago or 15 minutes ago. Couldn't believe it. And then... Um, like he still ended up on 65, but it was a painful watch. And the other thing is, um, uh, I didn't see this, but someone said he was clutching in his ribs last week and was maybe 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 off for a little bit longer, or, or, or came up, or maybe sitting out the back for a bit. So if he's got that rib injury again, that's that's another red flag, mate. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I think with his minutes, I think it might be one of those things, and I understand why, where you, you've been burnt on a couple of his low-minute games, but his minutes have actually been okay. Like, the, the game that you're talking about where he scored 65, he only got 52, which was shit. And to start the year, he only got 53, but the other minutes have been good. His other three games, he played 80, 61, and 65 on the weekend. So he's actually averaging five minutes more this year than what he did last year. But for those five extra minutes, he's only providing one extra point on his average. Um, and really, you know, without that 82 game, his average isn't even barely gun status. It's actually just below 60. So I I actually like another Ford in their pack a bit more. And that is a guy that we did mention last week. Fodawaka, we said, was a bit of a pod buy as a front row Ford. He's just gone up um, about 40-odd K, uh, because he's thrown up 57 points on the weekend. Uh, he got 61 minutes, which was his season high. So his minutes do seem to be building a little bit. Uh, and before that 57, he had the 67 and 87 points. He's going to keep going up in cash from that 500k mark. If you're going to own a Titan in the pack, just for value and the fact that he's a front row forward, I actually think that Foot Acres might have overtaken Arrow um, as a better play right now. Yeah, I'd have to go and have a look at his, have a look at his numbers before commenting on that one. But he, he, his his concern is more around minutes and whether whether he's going to get them. But he, you you would hundred percent take you know sixty minutes off Arrow as opposed to you know, fifty off him. But if he's um if he's starting to work his minutes right up, then he comes into contention. That's for sure. Especially if, if a bloke like him isn't carrying injury and your yeah, Arrow is plus the price difference. Yeah, in the last three weeks now, he, he on the weekend he played 61 minutes, so that brings his three-round minutes average to 58 minutes a game, and he's played played that starting in the number eight jersey for three weeks straight. So he looks pretty decent. If you did pick him up, he was at, yeah. he was at 400K um, a few weeks ago, or 440K, sorry. If you picked him up at 440K, I think it was great. Um, 500K is starting to get a little bit expensive, I guess. But, Billy, I don't think that you're going to have any B, C or C options in this one, surely. <laughs> no, mate, no. Not for this one. I think I'll watch from afar. 
<laughs> well, I do think the Dragons will get the win. I think they're going to keep on going, but I think it's going to be a 28-24 thriller. Actually, the only thing I will add is, because um, I was tossing up for a left-field option before, um, I was surprised at this, but Dufty's, Dufty scored 125 or something last time he played the Titans. Oh, mate, that was going to be my big balls pod. Oh, that was going to be, for this game, my big balls call was going to be Dufty's going 100-plus for sure. I wouldn't say for sure because he's got pretty ordinary base, but I'll tell you what, if he's if he's going to pump out a big one, um, you would think it would be this week. Yeah, oh, I think he's going to pump that out and then he's going to throw up a 20 next week and McGregor will put him on the bench in jersey 14 as a reserve hooker or something. That's what you get for doing well. <laughs> Tigers versus Cowboys is the next one. Lucio Lua's name, but you mentioned yourself that he was hobbling last week. He played like five minutes less because he had to come off the field. Um, Packers out after a really dumb penalty. He's going to miss a couple of weeks for a high shot. Eisenhuth um, is called up, and Tommy Talao is a big casualty. Safeheart's got dropped. Tommy Talao has been reported as being dropped, but it actually they looked like there was some word that he was actually injured. Um, calf injury, I think it was. Uh, and Harry Grant's been named after playing 80 minutes last week with no bench hooker again. Uh, with the bench being four forwards of Cheekham, McIntyre, McKayley and Eisenhuth, so that bodes pretty well for him. For the Cows, we've got Holmes out, which puts um, Fado in, or let's just call him the Hammer, puts the Hammer in at fullback, and McLean is out as well, which means McMolo starts. Uh, obviously, we've got Lolo back because he returned last week, which was huge, and um, Hampton's pushing onto the bench, so anyone that still's got Hampton... He's going to make a bit of cash before you got to neck him again because if you get names on the bench for two weeks, then you're obviously going to have to get rid of him. But let's start off with the Tigers, Billy. Um, I think the big news was Harry Grant played 80 minutes, but it was very much a glass half full, glass half empty. If you're a positive sort of bloke, then 80 minutes was great, and he's probably going to get it again this week. But 48 points, not so great. Yeah, he was running, but he was, he, it certainly wasn't for lack of having a go. I'd be curious to know how many of those were tackles versus runs, given that I think, I think everyone's going to be playing him, so it's not really too much of a concern. Um, I think every man he dog owns him, apart from the people that bought Teddy. <laughs> so maybe we do want him to score. So, uh, but, no, I, I, think, I think he'll be fine, mate. The only concern for me would be if he's actually injured and it's a last-minute admission, it, it would be more around, all right, so who's well-prepared with a, a backup that can actually cover that rather than having an AE? Yeah, and look, it's it's really tough because it's sort of in the late middle rounds of the games, so you need to have someone in the back a few games to be able to cover for that um, as your reserve hooker. So, yeah, you might be you might not be flush on reserves, and you might need to have a look at that and plan ahead, and then not put Harry as one of the reserves if you think that he might be out. Listen to Wacko's whispers; you'll probably find out he's in thirty six percent of teams. Billy, um, he went up a hundred k this week, still has a minus seventeen be so. If anyone that didn't get Teddy in wants a little bit of solace, you know, you just made a hundred grand off of doing Harry Grant, so you know that's that's one little tick. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. The other Tigers relevant guys really are going to be Luciano, who needs to be sold. Um, I know that I'm trying to get him out of my side as quick as possible. I might be getting him out this week um, with a BE in the sixties and carrying an injury. You, you're obviously trying to sell him as well, or, or you're looking at keeping him for this one. Keeping him only out of desperation. Um, I need some numbers this week. Otherwise, I was potentially going to get rid of him. I just don't like the fact that he's gone from the right side to the left side. He just doesn't doesn't seem as potent out there. 
he was just stopped short of the line uh, last week, so he was close to a, a 30-pointer, but would have, could have, should have if he didn't. So you've got to be prepared for 40, 45 points if he's not if he's not getting those tackle busts and getting through that line. So, um, yeah, wanted to get rid of him this week, but that's a luxury trade, mate. I'm going to hope he does something this week and then try and get, get rid of him later. Okay. You're going to play him this week against the Cows? Yeah. Another Tigers guy in the pack that um, needs to be mentioned. Last week, phenomenal effort. Uh, Alex Twelve always does it very quietly. No one really talks about him. He threw up 78 points against the Raiders, and I know that that was a, a pretty high base game, but 78, 64, and 61 the last three weeks. Basically playing 80 minutes in the 13 jersey. Uh, still at only at around the 540k price, Billy, and people still aren't really buying into it. I have to admit, I've been ignoring him a little bit too, but I really did notice him against that Raiders side last week. 78 points is no mean feat, and I'm I'm really looking at how I might be able to get someone like Twelve in my side as a bit of a you know base beast to sort of steady the ship for my forward pack. Yeah, when he first went to um, 13 jersey, kind of figured that might have been Madge's way of saying, look, he's, he's going to get more minutes, just someone meat and potatoes in the middle that can do the big minutes just like he has up front. And yeah, he seems, seems to be getting it too. So he's not doing anything sort of wonderful. He's just doing the, the what Yeo what does, just stands in the middle and just keeps, keeps churning keeps churning the scoreboard over one, one, one run at a time, one tackle at a time. Yeah, and look, he's, he's he's just very reliable, and he doesn't need anything else. Um, conveniently, this week, he has gotten a little bit of attention. He's 14% owned now, but 2% of coaches are actually trading him in, putting him in the top 10 trades. He's actually the ninth most traded in player. Con- fully can see really? why. Yep, oh, look, I can see why. He's I think he's been one of the, one of the least talked about um, good value stories of this season, and being in the 13 jersey playing those minutes, yeah, you know, I reckon he's going to be a good player. Yeah, I think he'll just keep churning it out. But, um, he's probably one of the luxury trades for the front row, front row at the moment, so not really on my radar. If you've uh, got the if you've got the coin and the, and the the position, throw him in. Then yeah, I think he'll be in everyone's team at some point in that position. Um, no, Faluma had a pretty poor game um, on the weekend compared to his lofty standards. He only threw he only threw up a forty nine, which. When your worst score's forty nine, you're obviously a pretty elite centre wing. <laughs> but he's got a he's got a ninety two BE. I don't own him. I've seen a lot of teams the last couple of weeks trying to see if they could fit him in. I'm just now after last week's forty nine, I'm just relieved that he didn't score that well, hoping he doesn't go well against the Cowboys and he actually just starts leaking cash for his owners. Yeah, I think so, mate. Um just flabbergasted. <laughs> <laughs> Over on the cow side of things, and without even talking to players, mate, because this doesn't happen very often, let's just have a look at the, the most traded out. It's it's one of the first times that I can remember where four of the ten most traded out players so far this week are all out of the one side. All cowboys. So, Valentine Holmes at number four. Scott Drinkwater at number five most traded out. Ben Hampton at number six most traded out. Esan Masters at number nine most traded out. It's pretty hard to argue with any of those guys, although Ben Hampton could make a little bit of cash with a um, still a low BE and named on the bench. He's got a 23 BE, so yeah, he's probably not a priority trade-out, but it probably makes sense that 40% of the most traded-out this week in the top 10 are all Cowboys. Yeah, probably because they've all peaked, or the only, the only one I kind of 
disagree with, and it's only a, it's just a desperation play too, is uh, Masters is playing his old team, so maybe there's there's a bit of an incentive there for him. Uh, Lolo's back too, so um, maybe maybe Drinkwater gets a little a little bit more command of that ball, although he's more of a kicker rather than a passer, so there's probably still a lot of risk in him too. But yeah, don't see any any reason any reason why people should be selling all their cows now. Yeah, I, I'm actually with you on on Masters and Drinkwater, um, so I'm I've got other guys that I need to trade out as well, so I kind of need to pick who I'm going to keep. And I don't mind the matchup for the yeah. Cowboys against the Tigers. And, and Drinkwater's got a B of 76, which, you know, the first two rounds he hit 73, 73. So, you know, he could get close to it. And with the Masters side of things, you're 100% nail on the head, mate. Masters is playing his old side that he wasn't too happy with when he left. So if he's ever going to throw out a good score, it's it's got to be this week, surely. But I tell you what, he scored 13 on the weekend in 80 minutes. That just destroyed me. It's pretty hard to pretty hard to put him in by seventeen with that thirteen score lingering from last round. Oh yeah, it's pretty shocking, isn't it? <laughs> do what you gotta do, mate. Are you are you putting him for a bounce back? Are you gonna do you have him in your side still? Yeah, I've still got him on my side. Um I just hope that he does something this week, that's all. Really wasn't count really wasn't expecting that, that effort last week, that's for sure. You, so you're definitely gonna play him? Yeah, yeah, versus his old teammate, yeah, for sure. Hopefully he doesn't get sent off this week. <laughs> well, it is one of those things where we were talking earlier in the pod about value, and he's now at only about 400k, so um, I think that I'm just going to hold him for a while now because he's lost 75k, and I just think that he's at that threshold where he's going to make yeah. that money back up at some point, surely, so I may as well just wait and, and make it back up and trade the other guys that are bigger priorities. Yeah, look, I think with, um, for me personally, when you when you got players like Stags go out and then... Um, Hampton, Hampton's dropped. It's not like you're going to play him anyway. But then you know, Holmes is out too. Um, it just makes Yeo's up at sort of second row forward. It makes it really difficult to figure out who you're going to play in that in, a, in that centre position. So, given that there's so many so many options on the ta- on the table this week, I think sort of dumping Masters is a luxury. So, um, one one of the few decisions that you go look, the guy can go big. It's his old team. It's not like he's playing the Roosters. So yeah, why not one more week? Yep, I'm going to play him. I reckon he's going to go 60-plus, um, so I'm, I'm going for it. But I tell you what, there's four Cowboys on the most traded out. What makes up for that is the number one trading player by a mile is the Hammer himself. Now, he's at 19.4% traded in at the moment, and he's starting at fullback, Billy. He looked absolutely awesome last week. I reckon he's going to get a good score this week playing in the one. Yeah, that's what scares me. Like he's going to do what best did. Like he's going to score a hundred for people that got him in early because they couldn't afford anyone else, <laughs> and just keep pushing them up the ladder. I know best was highly rated, so that that wasn't that that wasn't all luck. Some people bought him for it. It was a very astute buy for some reason. But um, yeah, look, this 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 keeps the same, particularly that him being available at fullback too. Like with, with his speed and size. He, he can quite easily put 45 points on in, in just runs and a few tackle busts too. So if he goes over the line, then there you go. There's another 75, 80-point score. So um not sure whether to hope for that or or pray against it. But, um yeah, he's still a next-week purchase for me. Yeah, I'm going to get him this week, I think, because, um like you said, I have to – there's teams like me that have to, if you want to get Teddy in, get a cheaper guy. So I'm going to go with the Hammer and Teddy. Yeah. 
and, and I'm going to play the hammer, and I'm pretty happy to play him. I think it's worked out quite well. Like other weeks where you've got to do this, you kind of, you really, you're downgrading in one spot, and you just, to get the one gun in, uh, and it sort of weakens your team, and especially with people maybe not playing like a Harry Grant and so forth, then maybe you're going to be in a bit of trouble. But this week, you've got someone like the Hammer that's going to start at fullback and actually be a really good play. So it's one of those unique weeks where even though you've got a bottom dollar cheapie, he's actually a really playable guy to put in your 17 as well. Yeah, true. Very true. I mentioned on the on the weekend too, I actually played with uh, the Hammer's dad for a couple of years. I didn't even realise until one of my um, old teammates said to me on Messenger during the game, oh, you remember? He was in the cram in uh, the early 2000s when we were in a semi-final up at up at the Oval, blah, blah, blah. I didn't remember it at all, and then it all clicked. So, Well, he must have seen some good footy when he was in that pram, mate, I'll tell you what. I didn't even remember until it got pointed out to me, but I'll take a little claim to fame. I, I probably got a knockout HIA and then came back on and got sent off, so I don't think it would have been anything special, but, you know. Oh, please, you probably just you probably just remember a flash. <laughs> That's probably why I don't even remember playing with the guy until it got brought up. Other things with this Cowboys side, obviously we need to mention Tom Malolo. He's going to be... A captaincy option every week, just about. He shapes up pretty well against the Tigers. I know the Tigers can be pretty good with their pack, um, but Tom Lolo just threw up 86 points against the Warriors. Did that with 70 pure base. Um, he he looks like a decent captaincy option this week as well against the Tigers. So Yeah, I think that's what a lot of people are going to be doing. Um, a lot of people will be doing the, 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 the Pong the Pong of VC and, and the Lolo C option. Um, I was talking about this with some of the guys earlier, thinking that um, maybe the pilot option would be actually a straight C of Teddy this week because a lot of people would be using the, a fullback or a fullback or a half to do the VC option and going to safe to the C route. But yeah, probably that's the 50-50. I, I, I reckon it won't be a straight sort of 50-50 split, but I reckon it'd be a good sort of, um, uh, a, yeah, a good, Maybe a good thirty percent each on Lolo, thirty percent on Teddy, and the, the other the others just looking for a, a different kind of variable. Yep. Well, I mean, I, I will throw out a stat because I know that you like the stats. The fourth best score that Lolo's ever got was against the Tigers, was one hundred eleven points. Um, so, if you if you believe that he likes playing the Tigers, he does have some good scores against them. Um, aside from that one as well, so oh, I reckon it's a decent option to go to see Lolo if um, if Ponga doesn't fire with the VC. How do you see this one going, mate? With um, obviously Holmes out, the Cowboys are going to take a bit of a hit. But Tigers, you know, were, were decent last week. It didn't seem like they could get across the try line either. So it, I really don't know what to make of this game. Yeah, I reckon they go tip for tap, mate. They just go backwards and forwards to the opposite end of the field, and they just both can't find cut loose. Austin both struggle to find the line a bit. Yeah, maybe like a twenty twenty-two sixteen type of. I don't think it's going to be a low-scoring game. I don't think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I think it'll be, you know, four to six points between between both of them. Yep. Um, as far as big calls go, I think the Drinkwater and Masters are both going to have a, a return to form this week. 60-plus for both, I reckon. Roosters versus Eels is the next game, mate, so let's get on to it quick. It's um, We've had all the entrees and the hors d'oeuvres. Now it's time for the main meal. Big game, mate. Roosters-Eels. Yeah, mate, I think someone's streak is about to come to the end. <laughs> well, the Roosters have got um, JWH back, um, and Tupanua is the guy that's going to make way. It's pretty unlucky for Tupanua. He played really well on the weekend, I thought. 
Um, Orbison's actually in Jersey 19 as well, so he's still not in that top 17. Um, for the Hills side of things, Kane Evans is suspended. Um, so Kafuzi comes on for him, but that's the only change. So both of us are pretty much at full strength, Billy. We've gone on and on about James Tedesco. Um, he obviously had a huge yeah. you know, 199 points. I tend to think they just gave him one point less just out of spite. So there was never a super coach scored 200 plus. But he killed it last week. Do you see him doing the same thing against your Eels this week? Oh, yeah, very much so. Um, he's, uh, we, we talked about his scores before versus, versus the Eels. I, I think... I think the the new the new, the new rule changes just suit him, mate. He just uh, he's just a big runner, big ta- big tackle buster. You know, you know what he's like with his clutch. And his his post game interview, um, uh, yeah, uh, yesterday, no, Sunday, his 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 uh, Monday wasn't it? Yeah, I'm still reeling. His his post game interview, he, he he said straight after the game, he goes, look, the the, the style of footy now just suits my game. Yes, he's he's, he's got, uh, Lot, lot more runs, a lot more support play, uh, lot, lot, lot more time with the with the ball actually in play. So um, I can't remember what the actual numbers were, but they pumped them out after the end of the first or second weekend that there's an extra sort of percentage of minutes in play too. And a bloke like him, that's you know already at one point per minute, you're gonna you're pretty much gonna add an extra an extra sort of five points per game on on onto his score with the extra minutes. So. I just think he's going to look, some day, look, day, look too dangerous again. 85 points even if he doesn't get over the line. Yeah, I think they'll play well again too. Um, the other thing to know with Tedesco as well, um, which I've said to a few people, and I'm interested in your take on this, Billy. I kind of said if you... Because obviously he's 842000 now, and he's just gone up eighty five grand. So a lot of people have sort of said, oh, yeah. you know, is it worth paying that money? And I sort of said, well... Normally, like, I think that the super coach rule is that you never go buy guys at their peak. You know, we've seen Gareth Widdick get to that type of price before, um, and on an insane run. And as soon as people bought him, he just went straight through the floor. 500k, probably, you know, three or four weeks later. You never do it. I, I just think Teddy is the exception to all the super coach rules because he's that good that I could see him continuing on with it. And I pointed out the draw, um, to a few people that I was talking to. And, you know, Teddy has a break even now that's negative still, even at 842k. Um, or sorry, it's it's a three break even, so it's not quite negative. But the Roosters have got Para, which you know is a decent hard matchup. But like you said, he's got the numbers to support him going well. He then plays the Dragons, and he's going to put on a score against the Dragons for sure. Tough game against the Storm, but then he plays the Cowboys. Tough game against Canberra, but then after that he plays. The Titans, the Warriors, and the Dragons. So there just seems to be no relief from him having those easier games in there. So I sort of said to a few people, you know, I think that if you don't, if you don't buy him now, you probably got to have to be content with yourself that you're not going to own him for between four and eight weeks, depending on how long it takes for, for sort of him to slow down a little bit. And even then, maybe you do it, you still only end up paying, you know, 50 grand less. Is it really worth the points of waiting six weeks or something to get him? Yeah, exactly. And given that he's up the Dragons next week, it really is a game that you need to be captaining, captaining him, captaining him in again too. So if you can't afford it this week, you sure as shit ain't going to afford it next week, are you? Yeah, that's right. And then all of a sudden you're, you're looking at yourself in three weeks time going, can I pay a million dollars for Teddy? And you're thinking, I should have just paid 840 yeah. three weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, exactly, mate. 
Oh, I think that you need to try and get him in. Um, he's still only 29% owned, which for a number one player in the game is, is quite low. Um, legit captaincy every week he is. So, yeah, uh, no doubt I'd be getting him in. But the bigger question is, Billy, um, would you forego the VC and C options for, you know, a Ponga as your other fullback to put to put the C on Teddy for this week against the Eels? Yeah, it's a hard one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> look... Yeah, look, I think given the Eels' defensive record, and I, w- I would, I would still probably have a crack at VC um, Ponga and C Lower versus the Tigers because you know he's going to put seventy-five points on. If he can get out of the line, there's a hundred points there. Um, I think Teddy's still going to go gangbusters, but he's not going to score two hundred. But I'll tell you what, um, does he score two versus the Eels? Probably not. But I'll tell you what, um, yeah. I think Palmer could probably do a little bit more, more damage. So, yeah, look, 50-50 there. Um, I'm, I'm, I obviously own only one of them, so I'm leading straight towards Teddy. Um, um, the, only, the only thing I'm going to add there is go back to the numbers before Teddy's last three scores versus the Eels, 180, 133, and 119. That's under the old system. So, yeah, pick wisely there and good luck. Yeah, it's a real tough one. I don't think there's a right answer. I've I've changed my mind seven times today on which one of those guys I'm going to captain. It's just a shame you can't VC bench players, isn't it? They should bring that in the super coach where you can do it. <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> mate. We had we had Kirk, enough, <laughs> we had Kirk Gidley captain the New gonna, South Wales I'm, team. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I remember. That. I, I was just about to say, super coach is easy enough as it is, as it is mate. Then I uh, had a look at my rank. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not that <laughs> I'm easy. saying nothing anymore. Give, I'm just going to stick to giving advice. We do need to move off the Teddy Love Fest, um, but either, I guess the best advice, guys, is either decide that you're getting him in now or be at ease that you're not going to own him for potentially even a couple of months and a lot of the season will pass without him if you're not going to pay a million dollars for yeah, him. True. <laughs> A couple of other roosters that are appearing in the top 10 most traded in. One of them completely makes sense. The other one doesn't really. Angus Crichton has gone fantastic. He's the seventh most traded in. I do think that the trade-in for him was a couple of weeks ago. Uh, one of the few trade-ins that I've absolutely nailed this year, getting me in a couple of weeks ago. Uh, back-to-back scores of 120 and 125 points. 120 uh, on the weekend included, obviously, the two tries and line breaks, but he really looks like that he's hitting those lines. He's still got a lower score of 67 He's now up to 5% ownership from 3% ownership on the weekend. So still a massive pod. The thing is, which is good for owners, that he's going to cost you now 665k. So he's not going to be cheap at all. And he's got a minus 5 BE. Billy, I've, I've got no issue with, with paying that for him if I didn't have other stuff to do. Um, I would think that most teams have other priorities though, which would stop them from getting Angus in this week. But if you don't, I, I've said it last week, he reaffirmed it on the weekend. I still think he's going to be one of the top um, secondary forwards unless uh, Orbe kills his minutes, which on the weekend didn't happen. Yeah, well, this, this is the form we were showing a couple of years ago at, um, at South before everyone everyone wanted him. Um, now, the only thing I'm going to add here is always the concern. As soon as he comes back onto the bench, you don't know where he's going to, where he's going to pop up and He's obviously not going to rotate in the middle um, unless he spells kind of um, a friend for a little bit. But he's certainly not going to go. He's certainly not going to go to left edge. So 
look, he's he's a pot option. He's, he's a he's a he's a decent he's a decent price low percentage play um, for a reason. But I'll tell you what, unless he's got a real soft draw and a guarantee of eighty minutes, he, that would be still be a bit of a concern for me. Yeah, it's a fair one. I will say on the weekend um, it was interesting what they did. And I, don't, I don't know if you noticed it, but they actually swapped Crichton. So they they put Orbo on, uh, but Cordner actually came off and Crichton moved across. So oh, really? yeah, so Crichton still played the eighty minutes, but um, uh, I think Cordner played only like sixty five or something. Um, so that's how they and, and Orbo actually played other minutes as well, um, which I'm not I couldn't actually tell where he was playing, but I think that he actually went into the middle for Radley. So I think that Orbo had basically, you know, 25 or something minutes and half of it was was on the right edge and half of it was in the middle. I reckon I'd be concerned about that because probably just chucking corner in, in Cotton Wool given given his injury injury history lately and the fact that they were absolutely braining him. You can put sort of um, Crichton anywhere, anywhere on the field he's going to have a go. I... Um, I thought he was actually playing left centre at one point for a bit, or had just moved across the other side of the field. I didn't, I didn't know he'd actually switched. Um, yeah, that's still a bit, a bit of a concern. The fact that they've thrown, um, they threw Orbo in the right side as opposed to just not just taking um, Corden off and throwing Orbo on the left. Yeah, it is a little bit, and I still don't know if we've seen the, the definitive um, rotation for the Roosters. I will say though, if it looked like that Radley was the one that lost the most minutes. So he's been sort of playing 65 to 69 type of minutes um, of, of late. And he only played 52 on the weekend, which I think is the lowest that he's played um, in the recommitment of the season. So it seemed to be once Orbo came back, it was actually Radley that lost minutes out of the pack with obviously the reshuffles and whatever. So uh, that was interesting. The other thing too is that I don't know why Orbo's out of the 17 again this week, um, but... I did mention in the preseason that I kind of think that Orbo's at the end of his career and they're going to kind of use him as a bench player and sort of a, um, you know, a veteran guy that maybe won't get big minutes. So maybe he's not going to be in the side every week at the moment. It'll be interesting to see whether he comes onto the bench this week or he stays out of the 17. Yeah, the fact that he's on the bench, it, 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 the unknown is that he's the hard part because he, he's not going to sit on that bench and play zero minutes. He's got to go in somewhere and that's going to be stolen at some point when you least expect it. Oh, but I'm saying he's on the extended bench this week. He's, he didn't even get named in the 17 this week, Orbo. He's in, what, Jersey 20. Really? Yep. Maybe it says something about their form then. Yeah, uh, it's, I mean, it's, I guess, the, the, in a nutshell, um, Crichton has been playing awesome. I think the time to buy him was two weeks ago, if not last week. It's hard to buy him this week, um, but I don't know, Billy, if, if you've got the money to burn, you know, do you see Crichton as being a... Top two or three secondary forward option for the season? Oh uh, no, no. Uh, I, he he would be in the top six, but I could I can't see him being so sort of top two or three. I reckon the money's probably better spent just rotating your fullbacks and trying to get a hook. All right, fair enough, mate. Well, let's talk about your reels a little bit. Um, first of all, I I gloated last week to you that that Mike Acevo threw up my hundred and four points that I wanted. Um, so. He had a ballistic game, and I loved it. It would be nasty of me not to bring up this week that he scored 14 points and was absolutely shithouse. So there you go. You, you've won it for this round. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mate. I, um, as, as much as I love Sivo and the Redrada types, you, you, can't, bank, you can't bank on them every week. They're, they're, you, you would only ever play them against the bottom of the barrel teams, mate. 
Oh, look, I'll play Sebo every week because he's been really consistent before that. But that's actually his worst super coach score that he's had, I think. Um, and he saved it for last week. There was times, mate, where I wanted to, I wanted you guys to just rip up Jennings' contract because he just was not getting Sebo the ball at all, and he just kept going back inside and not throwing it. It was, I was absolutely yeah. filthy. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like, uh, kind of like watching Dugan, isn't it? Like, I, I, someone was having a whinge about him the other day. Dugan actually passed um, last weekend, line break assist and the try assist. But I tell you what, it wasn't from a lack of trying to have a go himself and only got flooded at the last minute when he couldn't get through. It kind of reminds me of Jennings. He re- refuses to pass the Subo unless he absolutely has no other option. <laughs> it's incredibly frustrating, but it's all right. I'll hang in there. Um, Ryan Madison's playing his old club, so he's got the revenge game happening. And he... He was going to be my captain last week, and then I had to chase in some head-to-heads, and I actually had to switch it around. Um, I had it on Crichton most of the week, and I'm disappointed that I switched it. Ended up with Ponga. Madison's still only owned by 25% of teams, and not that many are captaining him. If I kept the C on him last week, Billy, he scored 94 points. That did include his try. But he's now gone you know, 94, 65, 99, 86, 62. Do you think that we see a revenge game against the Roosters? And... If so, you know, do you think that he might be a complete pod captaincy option? I reckon he'd be mad to captain him. It's just the too many other good options. He just—I don't think he's going to get big enough, mate. Um, I'm pretty keen, pretty keen on watching this game, but it's kind of a benchmark for the year just to see how the Eagles actually go. I reckon we'll step up a, a lot more than what we have in the last sort of couple of years. But I don't know how much how much heat the the Chooks are going to turn up on the Eagles, mate. But I definitely wouldn't be doing any. I wouldn't even be bothering BC Madison, mate. I just think that he's going to score anywhere near high enough. Yep, well, I think he's going to score well, but he's not going to put up a, a big one. I, I could see him scoring a solid seventy-five. But look, you probably raised a good point where there's other good captaincy options this week that probably overshadow looking at someone like him. Yeah, it looks certain. 75, yeah, but that's not a captaincy knock that. Well, it's better than a 50 from Pap or something. So, you know, we've, we've all had worse. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, I'll give you, I'll give our boy, our joint boy, we've adopted him together. Um, Nathan Brown, a shout. He returned with 59 minutes. Scored 69 points in that 59 minutes. Uh, I, I thought the minutes were really good for him for his first game back, and he he played really well. Like he was really busy. He um he only had 41 in base, but he had a bit of um, offloading and tackle breaks that were happening. He's uh he's on my watch list, Billy, but I'm pretty scared about the injury and stuff. But even as an Eels fan, you, you must have just at least been happy to see him back. Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm much happier to see see seeing him in the teammate. He runs some hard lines. He's Hard and I having a team, but from a super coach point of view, um, I, I can't have him. He's only he's only undervalued at probably ten minutes per game. He still needs to be guaranteed that 60, 60 65 minutes um, to be relevant. He doesn't doesn't have that line breaking ability like Lolo or Haas. So um, I'm happy just watching him and not owning him much. Yeah, I'm pretty scared of, of, of playing most of the Eels aside from Madison. To be honest, Sebo um, and Mitchell Moses worry me a lot in this game. Oh. I do think that the as good as the Eels have been, I think the Roosters are going to make a bit of a statement, and I think that we're going to do you by by at least 12 points. Um, I, I think we're going to be at least 12-point winners in this one. Yeah, that's my fear too, mate, but I'm um, we'll waiting to see the game. I'll pray for 6-0. All right, well, Teddy's going to go 100-plus as well. I'll throw that one in there too. Raiders versus Sea Eagles. <laughs> 
Let's uh, let's talk about this blockbuster at Campbell Stadium as well. This is a really good game as well. It's a really good round of footy. Um, Corey Horsburgh returns. He he killed me on the weekend by pulling out. I was really excited to play him. Um, Rapana's now actually starting with Simonson um, gone in the reserves. Hudson Young's back from his eye gouge. Not too super coach relevant, but at least the young fella gets another crack, which is good to see. Um, Marty Tapau's a big news for. The manly side. We've been talking about him as a sell for a while, and his thumb was dislocated last week pretty badly. Um, Moses Suli has a finger injury as well, so he's um, not in the side. Elliot comes in for him, and for Tapau, we've got Fanil Blake starting. So obviously they've got Curtis Sirenham returning. Um, that's going to boost them, but they've got a couple of uh, pretty good players out as well. So a bit of a mixed bag for the Sea Eagles. It's a bit hard one to pick this one, Billy. I really don't know what way it's going to go. If you asked me two weeks ago, I would have said the Raiders for sure. But the way they got pumped flat there last time at home, mate, by um by the night, so I'm tempted just to say, look, I think uh, I wouldn't be balking it, sort of uh, throwing the uh, C on turbo here. Really? Wow. Yeah. Yep. If you're earning, just double down. Jesus, that's a big call. I don't think I could do it against the Raiders. I, the, the call, the the game last week kind of scared me. That Tigers Raiders game, there wasn't a lot of points in it. Like, and I, I, I really could see this game being a bit of a bloodfest and like a twenty, eighteen sixteen type of type of deal. Like, big call on that. Like, I'm worried about playing any of these players to be honest. Obviously, you're going to play a turbo, but my um, my Raiders boys um, certainly not playing Kotrick. And even Tappany and Horsburgh, I'm a bit worried about playing as well. I really can't see how this one's going to go. I'm, I'm pretty surprised that you go and see Turbo. Yeah, I'm still I'm still keen on um, on Williams as well. Like he scored, um, I think his best game of the season was actually versus the Storm um, in, in Melbourne. So the fact that he's at home versus someone like Manly, he just gets in there and makes tackles. And yes, a lot of his a lot of his uh, points are from uh, try assist and kicks, but he's doing them like. He just looks a lot better on the field than a lot of the other Palm imports. So I'm happy to stick with him this week as opposed to, you know, like playing sort of buying Cleary and playing a bloke like him over Storm. So hopefully hopefully there's another decent week of scores um, with him before he has to eventually go for Munster or whoever it is. Yeah, that's fair enough. Uh, I think this is going to be a better real-life game than for Supercoach scoring. So I'm going to be mostly steering clear with who I'm starting for this one. Um, eighteen sixteen, Billy, and I actually reckon that Tommy's going to go for um, fifty five or less. I think this is going to be the lowest score of the year. That's my big call, anyway. Nah, I reckon he steps up. I reckon he steps up this week. If there's anyone gonna, that's going to go less than five points, mate, it's that fucking croaker. Hasn't <laughs> he been dog shit? Oh, I know. Like there were so many people in some of the groups um, the last couple of weeks saying oh, I'm going to sell croaker, and I wasn't the only one saying this. There was a lot of other. Good super coaches that were saying, no, you should hold him. He's got a good matchup. He's, he's put on 100 points against the Tigers. He just keeps up throwing 20s. He's just been terrible. That doesn't have to work right, mate. And um, now, now that you've got Williams in the team, like you, there's a there's a lot more movement right as well. Um, Whiten's a runner, so he's not, he's not, get, not getting too much out, too much out left. Um, Whiten's doing a lot of the running close to the line. And, does does look good too. I think uh, was it was it you that was saying he 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 would be a good thirteen? 
Yeah, well, talking about um, if we with the new changes that it might be finally when when we go back to ball playing locks, and we we're talking about who might be the good ones, and I said I think that, I think that Whiten is the best the best pick to move into the pack from the back line to actually work as a ball playing lock. Yeah, it does, doesn't doesn't look like a lock, just real real tall, lean 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 bloke that uh, he, he look he looks too big to be a five eight and looks too small to be a lock, but could probably play both positions really well as a runner. Yeah, with the with the new style, I mean, you've got McGuinness playing a lot more lock minutes now. With the new style, if if a team committed to it, you know, I mean, you grew up watching the same footy as me. I used to love the ball playing locks, like when you used to have a, a Brad Fittler playing thirteen for Australia or um, Jimmy Dimmick or Jason Smith. Like these ball players at thirteen used to be phenomenal. Like with the rule changes, I wouldn't be surprised if we started to get back towards it. Yeah, what, what was the main reason why we ended up changing twenty years ago? Was it just because the increase in the change and the, the size of guys that just ended up being look just for a bit more battering rams in there? I think it's more been the last ten years, really. Um, but uh, I think it's just been all the wrestle and all of the yeah, the, that gritty forward, shitty wrestling battles and stuff. I think they just wanted the robot big body sort of extra prop there to do it. And, Honestly, I don't think I don't think teams want to. I don't think coaches want to get fired, so they don't want to try, you know, passing in the middle of the ruck and stuff like that with their forwards. They just want to have some guys that won't make mistakes. It's a bit shit, shit football, really. I liked it a lot better before. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's it's really opening the game up. So yeah, I'd like to see how the next few rounds go. Let's move on to the final one, mate. Sharks versus Bulldogs. Surely the NRL has purposely put the worst game of each round, you know, as as the last one, just about. Like the Roosters game was a good one, but the two weeks before that, they had some pretty bad games to finish us off. Um, with the Sharkies, we've got not really um, any big super coach news. The fact that Matt Moylan's out um, is a big deal because Will Kennedy owners will get another extra week out of him um, for. The Supercoach yeah. news for the Doggies. Avarillo, um, who I've started call, calling Armadillo, because that's what my iPhone changes his name to. Um, he's He's gone on to the wing from centre, uh, and he's going to start making some money, which is good. But other than that, um, two sides that are largely staying the same. How do you see this one going? Because this is another one where I've got no idea, mate. I, I thought the Sharks were a lot better than what they are, and they just oh. got done by the Dragons, and the Dogs just got pumped by the Roosters, like... What's going on with this one? Yeah, yeah, I was just about to say, especially after what happened last week with the Sharks, the last sort of couple of weeks, where I looked for a bit of value and tried to put, you know, multiple sort of try score into the favourite to win the first half and the second half. Mate, it ended up being the underdog winning sort of the first half of the and the second half of sort of ten to one. So there's been some, yeah, there's been some smoke he's been thrown up, but I I do think that the dogs. Are, uh, extremely ordinary this year. The fact that the Dragons mixed things up last week probably caught the Sharks off guard by a little bit. But I, I would, if I was going to be backing anyone to bounce back this week, mate, it would 100% be the Sharks uh, versus that Dogs team. I mean, uh, case in point, did you see how easy it was for um, Crichton just to stroll over for that first try last week? Yeah, I mean, Wade Graham and Nakora could have a fuel day on both of those edges potentially. Yeah, I know the Sharks aren't the, aren't the Roosters, mate, but I tell you what, you know, you have to be half what the Roosters were and you're still going to put some points on their dogs team, mate. They were absolutely terrible. I don't think there's too many Sharkies that you'd be looking at or targeting uh, or that we can even talk about at the moment because it is not playing very well. Um, but one guy that does stick out is Sean Johnson. 
He's down to 474k, which for Johnson is cheap. He's a halfback 5'8", and that's become a little bit of a trouble position at 5'8", like we said. His VE is only 35, so he might be the cheapest it'll be for a little while, and he's only in 11% of teams. As much as he's caught flack, Billy, from the media and fans of not playing up to his price tag in real life for Supercoach, the last couple of weeks he has come to life a little bit. He hasn't been running as much as what we'd like, but he's still scored 61 and 75 points. And that 75 points was against the Dragons, but, I mean, they got pumped 30-16, to 16, so it's a pretty good score. I, I will admit that before the Teddy explosion... There was Cook and Latrell that I was considering for this week, and Sean Johnson was the third guy that I was considering, just because of the value and the fact that it's pretty easy to go like a Luai or drink water to Sean Johnson against the Bulldogs. Yeah, agree. Um, the only thing that concerns me is he, he just doesn't he just doesn't run like he used to. Like he's a bit, bit more aged. The knee, the knees, the knee, or, uh, is it a hamstring or the knees? I think it's the hamstring. Isn't it's, it? It's all of it, mate. He doesn't see <laughs> as, as he just doesn't seem as nippy as he used to be, so I wouldn't be banking on him to have like a massive sort of 130, 140, 150 type of score, which is probably the only reason why I wouldn't sort of get him in. I'd rather sort of play a drinky and just sort of wait. But um, especially being the last, the last game of the round, you don't want to be backing someone like him to slap the sea on, do you? Um, if you if you had to pick one person for this game to step up, I reckon it would be him, or maybe just yeah, like you said, him, Decor, or Go go even further right side. Uh, whoever's on the right, whoever ends up on the right wing. Yeah, if you're a Katoa owner, I think that you'd, you'd play him. Although it's a bit hard to tell what wing he's going to be on because he switched last week. But you know, this this Bulldogs game is a bit of a litmus test for the Sharkies. They got Manly the following week, but then they've got the Titans the week after. So they do have two out of the next three. That are, uh, that was one of the reasons why I was looking at SJ. On the Bulldogs side of things, though, there is probably only one player to mention, and we didn't mention him last week, and that was Hopperardi. Now. Albert ended up playing quite well again at fullback last week. Um, 467k, so he's still pretty undervalued for a fullback. He threw up 56 points. I thought that he looked a lot better than that, you know, really badly beating the side. Oh, I didn't really see too much of him, mate. I think the one that kind of impressed me was the couple of Amadio runs, whatever his name is. Um, but yeah, uh, Hopper back to... Hopper back to his kind of preferred position probably makes him a lot more of an appeal to well, I think he had two assists pulled back. He had one line break try assist and one line break assist both pulled back. Um, I think maybe for a forward pass or one for an obstruction, actually. So he, he could have been, uh, you know, a 75, 80 point scorer really easily against the Roosters and still got flogged. So he's just, he's, he's looked really good at fullback. Um, he's, he might be a sneaky, um, top four or five center option if he stays there for the end of the year. Cause even when the dogs get flogged, he seems to be putting up the points, but, there isn't much in this one, mate, so we won't spend any more time on it. Um, just tell me, we're not going to captain or vice-captain anyone in this one. You're going to play every shark, surely, but what's the score going to be? Oh, I reckon the shark. I reckon you see the uh, SJ turn up a little bit, probably 16 points on them. Yeah, I reckon so too. Oh, I think that we'll get a uh, 28-12. Sounds good as a scoreline. Um, and I'd certainly be playing Katoa. And SJ, um, I think they're pretty good plays for this week. And Katoa is my sports bet, bet of the week. I'm going for Katoa for a try anytime and also first. Good to wrap up on a sports bet plug, Billy, because then we can um, try and get those sponsorship dollars in that we're searching for. Mate, you're not going to get a sports bet plug if you keep plugging them for free. Maybe you need to try 365. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good point. Thanks for jumping on again. 
Um, good luck for this week with your captaincies and everything, Billy. I, I think you got a good week quietly, and uh, good luck for the Eels vs Roosters. I hope you don't feel too bad the next day after that one, mate. I might have to put a scooter bet on this one, mate. You're on. It's just a bit hard when you're in Queensland and I'm in uh, New South Wales. How are we going to work that out? You're going to send me one express post? Uh, I'm sure the flights will be soon, mate. We've got to come down to Sydney for work, so I'll show you a few. Oh, sounds beautiful. Guaranteed beer from this week that's free. That's good. Thanks, Billy. We'll chat to you again in uh, a couple of weeks' time. Cheers, mate. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. You can uh, download or subscribe on iTunes um, as well as stream or download on SoundCloud. Follow us on Twitter, NRL underscore SC underscore AllStars. Good luck tearing your teams apart to get Teddy in. Good luck with the big captaincy options this week. And I can't wait to hear about it all next week when we talk again.